you expect a lot of labels we talk to haven't been uh, aware that also catalog can come back get a new cycle of success on TikTok um, and that's something I think that's the most important um, answer we found because I mean there the, the catalogs of, of like Universal Sony they are so huge and for them to know that they come back with these songs get in another cycle is something they obviously didn't know and should now if they read our blog post on Chatmetric can focus on in the future. Hi everyone, welcome to How Music Charts, where we pull back the curtain on today's music business, exploring music industry trends, music data, and the creativity that helps your favorite artists with the charts. From co-host Jason, you'll hear from our other co-host Rutgers soon. This podcast is owned and operated by Chartmetric, a music data company that connects numbers to narratives to help the music industry leverage the power of data analytics. Our guests today are Aki Kumar, Yannick Steinke, Sebastian Gorki, and Valerian Dilga, who are music business students at the Pop Academy in Germany. Established in 2003, the Pop Academy is a higher education institution for the music and creative industries and the pop cultural scenes. By focusing its study programs on popular music, it offers an academic education that is unique to Germany's public university landscape. In this context, the students are part of Pop Academy's SNCC Lab. Founded in 2008 as an interface between the online world and the traditional music industry, SMIX Lab sees itself as a competence center for the digital music business. It integrates digital knowledge and future-oriented research, investigating the modern possibilities of music marketing and other forward-thinking initiatives. The students themselves have industry experience at companies such as Life from Earth, Electric Feel, Amazon Music, and Ease Agency. Over the past few months, the Chartmetric team supported the students in their project to study how TikTok is influencing the German charts. Please look out for the article coming out soon on their Chartmetric blog. For now, please welcome to the How Music Charts podcast, everyone from the Smix Lab. Hey, everyone. Nice. Hey. hey, what a pleasure to be on this podcast. Thanks for the invitation. For sure, for sure. We're so happy to have you. So let's see. So before we actually get into some of the research that we're, we're hinting at uh, between the, this, this correlation between TikTok and the German music charts, can you first just briefly introduce yourselves better than I did and, and please explain, you know, Pop Academy and what Smix Labs is? Yeah, okay, I, I can go. Um, yeah, so Pop Academy, um, as you said, um, is the like major um, music um, business and also uh, popular music university in, in Germany. Um, it's uh, situated here in Mannheim. Um, and um, we are all um, students in the fifth semester here. And um, yeah, and uh, we, we always like every year we have this um, um, this thing called Projektwerkstatt, uh, which is kind of um, projects um, together with um, like external partners, uh, um, external uh, companies like Chartmetric, for example. And um, yeah, since we we're all very interested in in um, like finding uh, an introduction into data analytics, um, we all signed up for this project, and um, we're very happy we did so. Awesome. Aki, do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, sure. Um, hi, I'm Aki, studying with these guys at Pop Academy as well. Um, I think the special thing about um, Pop Academy is that it works very close to the industry. So it's not all theoreticals, which we saw especially in our project semester. 
Um, it's not only working with um, chart metric, for example, but also with different labels and YouTube, all kind of uh, kinds of platforms. Um, yeah, so that that's Pop Academy. <laughs> Um, and then for myself, um, I work in artist management for two different collectives. One is an artist collective, which you mentioned, Life from Earth, and then in artist management um, for uh, label and label services in German rap. So, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Aki. Uh, Yannick? Yeah. Um, I'm also studying with these guys. Um, I'm originally from Stuttgart and uh, I'm really, I was really interested and hyped about um, how to find new ways and new possibilities to match data um, and create new ways of rethinking like how we analyze things and how we see things um, on a track basis. And that's why I originally came to this project and I'm really happy since uh, I did that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Yannick. Sebastian. Yeah, maybe one last thing to add about the Pop Academy. The great thing here is that our school bundles all relevant as, uh, aspects of pop music culture and also tries to optimize uh, the creative output. So um, they also focus a lot um, on digital education, what gave us the great uh, opportunity to work with you guys on this fantastic project. Um, so yeah, that's actually a chance, I guess, five years ago wouldn't be able since everything is moving so fast. Um, so we are super happy uh, that we had the chance to work with you on this project. Um, then a few things about me, besides studying with these amazing guys here in the call, um, I'm working for Amazon Music. Um, before that, I worked for Universal Music. Um, so yeah, kind of uh, had had the chance to look in both sides of the industry what is super interesting um and yeah i think that's that's it about me thank you thank you sebastian so tiktok and the german charts what was your research question and what inspired you to investigate it in the first place yeah let me take over here um mm -hmm. i think all of you guys can agree that social media platforms like tiktok have have become a big part of our society um, and that they all have influence on our behaviors and views. Um, and anyone who listens to songs on TikTok has probably experienced before that certain songs suddenly appear in one's feed and a short time later, uh, they can be found in the music charts. Um, so that's something we realize. And uh, so we try to make this influence measurable and to analyze the musical impact of TikTok on the German charts. And yeah, that led us to some nice hypotheses, uh, which are, for example, that we can assume that TikTok influences the German music charts and that there are a significant share of TikTok charts titles um, that can also be found in other charts. Um, a second one would be that since the user counts of TikTok have increased in recent years, it can also be assumed that its influence on other platforms has, uh, has also increased. And last but not least, it's also likely that catalog titles in particular will regain visibility via TikTok and be sent into like a renewed cycle of success. Um, that's also the, the topic we focus on um, mostly in our, um, in our blog for you guys. So that's the topic we're going to talk about today. Awesome. Can you, a lot of our listeners are from 
North America. So for, for them, and honestly for myself too, can you paint a, just a bigger picture real quick of the German music industry, um, ways that might be similar and or different from the American one or, or other regions of the world? Yeah, of course, that's again me, actually. Um, so yeah, let me quickly mention uh, briefly a few things. We have a total sales around 2 billion US dollars. Um, what makes the German music market to uh, position four in the world in terms of revenue. And in contrast to your leading US market, um, where in 2020, more than 89% of revenue already came from digital shares. In Germany, we are a bit behind with just around 72%. So there's a huge difference between our markets. And due to these proportions and the still big physical share in Germany, we decided to include not only the digital charts into our uh, analysis, but also the classical radio charts and the official German music charts, which are also a little bit different to the official charts in the US. Um, because here we have so-called value charts. That means they're not based, um, they are based on real sales or sales made and not on quantity. That means you can, for example, sell like a music box for 40 euros, and this is more worth than uh, let's say 20,000 streams because 40 euros are more worth than 20,000 and that's how they calculate it here. Um, and I think if I'm not wrong, around 3,000 retailers in Germany participate. So we have a coverage of over 90%, which is really, really good. Um, but I think this is the biggest difference to the US market. What we should take in mind that we have value charts and not the charts you have in the US. Um, yeah, and I hope that gives our listeners a little bit better overview about the German music market. Can I, can I ask real quick about a quick tangent about the physical, the importance of physical goods to the German music industry? I know it's been always been a big one to the Japanese one, but I'm just kind of curious because I've read before that it's also a thing in, in Germany. So could you speak at least briefly about that? Yes, I think what we have in Germany, there are a lot of hip hop artists and Schlager, that's like the local music style, um, who are often selling bundles or boxes because for them it's really important to get this high chart position. I would say in special for the hip hop artists, that's why they go with like 40 euro bundles with t-shirts uh, and whatever you can sell in, uh, in these boxes um, just to get a high chart position. Um, but since Yannick and Aki are more coming from the hip hop field, maybe they can, they can add some, something here. Um, yeah, thank you, Sebastian. That was uh, quite detailed. I think what one could add is that the difference to the US market is that there's like a cap at 40 euros. So you can sell boxes above that um, for like 60 or 80 euros, but only like 40 euros of that amount will be counted into mm. the chart, <laughs> which um is a, yeah, it's a, like Sebastian mentioned, it's quite common in hip hop and rap genre to sell those boxes. Um, but I don't think it's only because of getting a good chart position, because as I said, there is this 40 euro um, cap, which you, which is the only thing that is counted into the charts. Well, at the same time, you do have, you still have a lot of boxes that cost a lot, a lot more. So yeah. Yannick, anything to add? I don't think I have some anything to add, but there's also a lot of problems going on um, with 
like products that don't really actually um, are fitting uh, to the music or are sold on top of the music, which don't uh, have any any, um, any like relationships to each other. Mm -hmm. So and that's also ruled in some kind of chart um, like uh, laws. Mm. Gotcha. Um, so if we take three things, social media, streaming platforms, and radio within the German market, how would you, I don't think ranking is the right word, but what, how are they significant to each other? Um, what are some of the ways, um, maybe in which one is more important than the other, so on and so forth, and then we'll get into the findings of your paper. I think in Germany, it really depends on uh, which genre we are talking about. As Sebastian just briefly mentioned, like Schlager, which is like German traditional um, music. <clears throat> and um, in that genre, I would say like the charts are still, still very significant um, and influence like the listeners a lot still. Whereas um, if you look at genres like hip hop and rap, which is kind of similar to the yes or anywhere else in the world like developing rapidly on social media platforms and newcomers have, or are actually using their opportunities of this like democratization sorry um democratization, democratization <laughs> um of distribution Mm -hmm. So if you look at that from, from like a rap, hip hop, or even techno genre standpoint, um, I think social media and streaming has a lot more like significance, whereas the more traditional German genres still rely a lot on like the charts and radio plays. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And also like to add to that, um, the, the radio charts uh, are probably as in country um, are very um, I don't want to say controlled but very um, heavily influenced um, by, by major label tracks um, and those charts um, there's a lot of tracks in there that are sometimes even like three to four years old and have been in those charts for three to four years um, just because um, the the radio editors um, or the, yeah the edis, editors at the radio stations, just because they like the song so much or um, yeah or because they like the, the label um, has good relations with those radio stations. Um, also, there's there is a pitching process for for radio, um, so there would be the possibility even for newcomers um, to have their songs played on, on the radio, but let's just say it's it's not the easiest um, to go through. Um, and um, I think that might be why radio is a bit like, or the radio charts in particular are a bit like behind all, all the other charts in, in terms of new tracks. So let's dig into the uh, article itself. So your primary approach was to look at the correlation coefficients for TikTok charts and various German charts, including you know, German Top 50, Radio, Spotify, Spotify Viral 50, Apple Top 50, and Shazam Top 50. Can you describe um, and maybe give listeners some idea of 
what each of these charts is and uh, what goes into landing on one of these charts, maybe? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we already uh, explained the, the um, German charts, how they are uh, constructed. Um, the, the Spotify 50 um, are just like the top 50 most played songs of um, the, the former day or of the previous day. Um, the Spotify viral charts um, are, however, a bit um, more complicated. Spotify kind of tracks how many times a song has been shared or has been talked about on social media. Yeah, um, the Apple Music charts uh, work the same way as the Spotify charts, Spotify Top 50 charts. The radio charts would be um, uh, constructed by um, all the um, verified radio stations. Um, so I, I think it's around 250 radio stations. Um, what they um, played the most um, on the previous day and Zam charts. Um, I think um, most people know Shazam, the, the app where you um, look for songs if you hear them and can't recognize them. Um, so they kind of are an indicator um, of what people are looking looking for. Um, Can you walk us through the correlations a bit? So like, what were the highest correlations in terms of like, you know, which platforms had the highest correlation with TikTok charts and then which had the lowest correlation? Yeah, so um, the, the highest correlations um, were actually found um, between TikTok and the official German charts. Or maybe, maybe let's start like um, how we did the, the, the correlation test. Um, so we basically had um, two variables, um, which would be X, the TikTok charts, and Y, like all the other charts. And for, for the X variable, um, we looked at six different sample sizes. So we looked at uh, TikTok top 1000, top 500, top 100, top 50, top 20, and the TikTok top 10. Um, while for the Y variable, we only looked at correlations for the top 50s of each platform. Um, as like some of the smaller perimeters um, simply didn't provide uh, significant sample sizes in order to make any assumptions about the correlation. Um, and this way we, we were all also able to see the impact of a placement um, um, or in, the, in the TikTok top 1000 um, on the German charts versus a placement in the TikTok top 10. So um, how does um, a very high charting TikTok uh, track uh, convert into streaming um, or into German chart placement? Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, the, the highest, uh, the strongest correlations uh, were found for, for the German charts, as I said. Um, so we had correlations of um, around uh, 0 0.4 to 0.5, which are, um, depending on like, who you listen to, are moderate or are strong correlations. Um, however, they are. Um, Correlations that indicate um, that there is um, statistically significant interconnection between um, the charts. Um, 
And for example, if you if you look um, at the relation TikTok and German charts, we could assume that songs which have a better TikTok chart position also have a greater chance of entering the official German charts. Um, and uh, as as we go up, like if we if we look at the TikTok top ten, for example, we have a correlation of uh, zero point two eight. Um, so we could um, we could also assume that um, they are more likely positioning in the in the um, Spotify top fifty and upwards afterwards um, after they have been um, in the the TikTok charts. Um, yeah. Um, Looking at the streaming platforms, we actually have kind of um, the same. The, the correlations are a bit weaker. Um, they're not as strong as for, for the German charts, um, which might also be due to a higher fluctuation of, of tracks, since the German charts are only updated once a week, um, as the Spotify charts are updated daily. Um, and you can you can see this effect also with the um, with the viral charts where we kind of expected the highest correlations, um, but um, actually got some of the lowest. Um, and yeah, the, the explanation for this um, would be that there is a higher sample size of tracks um, making it into the Spotify viral 50 as they're um, changing daily and also as they're um, not configured um, based on streams on the Spotify platform, but on the talks and shares. Um, and this might change even, even um, stronger than, than other uh, metrics. Um, yeah, so this might be an explanation for the weak correlation um, with the viral 50 charts, for example. I mean, to put it simply, I guess, the official German charts, Spotify top 50, Spotify viral 50, and Apple top 50 generally had positive correlations. But absolutely, yeah. Radio and Shazam tended to have negative correlations. So why do you think that could be? I think that's exactly what Valerian just said a few minutes ago, uh, in special when we look on the airplay charts that what we see there is like that some songs are into the airplay charts for years and years. I mean, uh, everybody who drives in the car in Germany can listen to like Ed Sheeran songs from four years ago, uh, 10 times every day. Um, what is, in my opinion, the simple, the simplest solution to this um, and shows exactly what Valerian said. And that was absolutely no surprise for us that the airplay um, top 50 are not representing what we hear in uh, on TikTok. Um, so that was no surprise. A little surprise maybe was that uh, also Shazam had a weak connection, but the reason for that could simply be that when you are in one app on your phone in TikTok, you can't use a second app um, besides to check out the song name. Um, but here, to be honest, we thought there's a higher uh, correlation but also here, I think this is a very simple solution why it is like it is right now. Um, maybe to add one little sentence, um, because we also tried to measure if the influence of TikTok was rising over our period. 
Um, our period we analyzed was from November 2020 to April 21. So we also covered the beginning of COVID um, where we all had the impression TikTok is rising. Um, so many people are using social media more often each day. And what we found out is there is no significant rise in the correlations. Um, what is also quite surprising and was us worth to analyze. So one of the, you talked about a few tracks here, um, and I wanted to mention them by name and see if um, you could maybe talk a little bit about the trajectory of each of these tracks. So the first one, let's go with Arcade by Duncan Lawrence. Can someone kind of introduce the song a little bit and, and tell us about um, kind of this track's journey through this interconnection of platforms? Yeah, so uh, Arcade was our uh, example for um, catalog tracks because it was released a few years ago and um, was first introduced in the Eurovision Song Contest by Duncan Lawrence. And at first it didn't appear in the New Music Friday playlist, um, but we've seen that it became viral on the platform of TikTok. So we had a look on it and have seen that starting from TikTok, a few other platforms are also increasing uh, the, the chart message. So that's a clear example for um, a TikTok trend, which made it across a different platform. So it also uh, came across Spotify, Spotify Viral, 50, um, and got picked up even in the, uh, the top 50 global charts, and which is crazy. And it's also a possibility um, which TikTok shows us that all the tracks are or do also have a, a possibility to um, gain new popularity. How about Monster by Sean Mendes and Justin Bieber? Mm, Monster was our um, example of how a major song is developing across different platforms since it really appeared from the beginning in all like the big uh, playlists with, on Spotify, which are all kind of new music Fridays and um, also the top hits um, of different countries. So it really started at the top and also started a little bit low at TikTok in comparison to the other examples we did for the other uh, categories. And it really fell quickly. So it didn't hold on uh, onto the position. Um, and especially TikTok isn't the big platform for the song to became a hit. It was a hit since it came out on um, Spotify and since it came out from artists like Shawn Mendes and Justin Bieber. Was that a little bit of a different, different result from what you expected maybe? Um, I, I mean, we've expected more um, TikTok creations in comparison to other unknown songs or something like that. But it appeared that just the song was used in different kind of videos. There was no clear trend. Um, it was more like a background music thing. Yeah. So um, it was used in, for example, tutorials or just the TikTok isn't about the song. And that's also a reason why it didn't become viral on TikTok. And it yeah. was just um, discovered by a few fans which wanted to use the song because they knew the artist already. Yeah. 
I think that that, that particular insight is fascinating. Um, and then Without You by The Kid Leroy. Yeah, as a, we all know uh, The Kid Leroy as a one of the biggest uh, TikTok stars with, who became famous on through this platform. It's also caused, of course, by this like um, really explicit catchphrase of the song that you, mm -hmm. um, which was picked up in a hilarious situations. There was a clear trend and it was funny. The people had fun with the song and um, to use it in different kind of creations. So it was also the example with the most um, um, the song used in most most videos. So mm -hmm. it, it was quickly gaining reach through TikTok. And it also um, just started on TikTok. When we look at the uh, cross-platform performance mm -hmm. through different uh, type of charts, you can see that TikTok was the first to really have a high position. And afterwards, there was Spotify, Spotify Viral, and um, all these big players. Um, but in addition, the German radio charts and also the official German charts were really late to the party. They were, the, the song reached the high positions at a really late stage. Mm -hmm. So this, this general like track flow, this life of a track from this TikTok top 1000 to Spotify top 200 and top, top 50 viral to Shazam top to Apple to official German charts and radio charts. How can you talk a little bit more from a, a slightly higher perspective, how that holded true or did not hold true? You know, was it dependent on, you know, things like genre or was it really about maybe something as granular as, you know, a specific catchphrase, like you mentioned, Yannick, or maybe something else entirely? I think it's hard to take all catalog songs or all uh, big releases, like the big major labels, but I think you can definitely say that most of catalog songs or most songs that are really found on TikTok on, the, on this platform are developing on its own because these people just know the track. It's more like a track business. And from the frontline perspective, it's more like a artist perspective. So it's more like on long term. And it's hard to say, yeah, okay, we got the TikTok charts, and afterwards we got the Spotify viral, then we got Spotify top 50, then we got this and this, and afterwards at least there the German radio charts, because it doesn't um, always add up for every song. It's a really individual thing, so it's hard to keep track of that, and it's also really interesting to keep, off, keep track of in, uh, what Spotify players um, are really uh, influencing um, the track's behavior on other platforms because on TikTok it's only a sound, so you don't count it really on chart performance. But the, the jump from TikTok to Spotify, and that's what it makes a song. So that's what the listener makes um, him or her listen to a real song and also wanting to buy the single on CD, also wanting to hear it on radio and also making radio station get to know the song. Mm -hmm. And just to add to that, Yannick, you mentioned uh, the trajectory of uh, catalog songs in, in particular. And I think um, like for catalog songs especially, 
Um, it might actually be such a granular thing as um, as catchphrases. Um, um, in the TikTok search, people might be looking for the perfect catchphrase for their particular video. Video, and having like this immense catalog, um, you will find the perfect song um, eventually um, if you if you're looking uh, closely enough. Um, and if a lot of people um, are looking for like for the same catchphrase, for the same song, maybe accompanying a mood or something, um, then this might actually be the reason why a song becomes popular on TikTok at first and then um, transfers um, onto a streaming platform because people are looking for this catchphrase and this might be a catchphrase in the catalog song, yeah. I think you, you're not able to say like a song has to have that to became vi to get viral on TikTok, but you can say that um, if you look out for what your fans are going to, what kind of videos your fans are going to do, then you can rethink of how am I going to like put my message into this 15 seconds or 30 seconds um, to to make the song usable for all my fans in some kind of uh, situation in their daily business. So obviously you were looking at the German market in particular. Do you think these, some of the trends and correlations that you highlight here are unique to the German market? Or do you think you'd find a similar thing if you, you know, studied, if you did the study globally or went to other individual markets? I believe like what's, what's for sure is that the German radio charts are really conservative. So it's hard to really like compare this to other countries since we don't know how conservative or how, um, I mean, like in, in France, they already have to play so much songs or such percentage in French, in French language, that's a, that's a lot. So it's really hard to, to compare the radio stations since they are local. Um, but I also think that a lot of listeners are also can be compared or can be can can be like converted on other other countries. And what Valerian mentioned earlier. Um, it, there is a whole like very conservative pitching process involved in um, choosing radio station music. So in terms of like making a TikTok hit, I think it's quite similar to other places, but like making a TikTok hit and then getting a musical hit on other platforms and on official platforms out of it is quite different, I think. And that's why you have like a lot more newcomers success success stories in the US compared to Germany. We have some, but it's not like a very common thing. I think we should also be aware that in Germany, just around 10 million people are using TikTok. Um, all over Europe, it's around 100 million and worldwide. So everything besides Europe is 800 million. So we are just covered a little, little part of everything. So I think we have we have a point. I think we can see similarities, but we should really be aware that we just see a little, little piece um, of everything, of the, of the complete picture. Um, 
So that's something, yeah, we should really keep in mind and shouldn't take like the worldwide uh, solution we found now. What do you think the significance of your findings are for the catalog versus frontline dynamic? And can you actually define that real quick for maybe some listeners who are not familiar with the whole difference? Of course, of course. Um, yeah, so well, there is or there are different um, explanations, um, but we decided on um, catalog being all songs uh, older than 18 months. So having been released um, 18 months um, or before and frontline everything released within the last 18 months. Um, and yeah, catalog um, showed um, like a very strong correlation. Um, if we if we looked at the correlation between TikTok and uh, the German charts, as well as TikTok and the, the Spotify charts, um, which suggests that um, a placement on a TikTok chart um, might increase the chances of, of uh, getting into um, one of those other two charts. Um, and for for catalog songs, um, this is even like this this chance is even higher than for frontline songs, um, where we had um, um, yeah very low uh, correlation. Um, yeah, which might also be because. Um, if a song already gets into the TikTok charts and is a catalog song, is an older song, um, then it might just be uh, because of the catchphrase, um, and um, this might be um, like an indicator uh, for of a song um, having even more viral potential. Thinking of it from like the industry perspective, why is it important to know that this? correlation exists or why does it matter that there is a correlation between TikTok and the German charts? That's a I tough question. A lot of people don't know or don't really worship the importance of a TikTok strategy, um, especially some conservative labels or I think it's getting more and more uh, used also and more aware in um, the music industry, but most of the people don't know how to put their song out on TikTok or how to promote their song on TikTok. So it's getting more and more important to rethink that TikTok could be also a way for also for, uh, for catalog tracks to uh, push it push them to the next level. You exactly. A lot of labels we talk to haven't been. Uh aware that also catalog can come back, get a new cycle of success on TikTok. Um, and that's something, I think that's the most important um, answer we found because, I mean, they're the, the catalogs of, of like Universal, Sony, they are so huge. And for them to know that they come back with these songs, get in another cycle is something they obviously didn't know and should now, if they read our blog post on Shutmetric, can focus on in the future? I think uh, it's always been a bit like um, diffused when, when people say, oh, we should make like a TikTok campaign or something. And people don't really know about what they want to accomplish with it, where they want to go with it. <clears throat> and when, what we found out, like catalog tracks can make a comeback. So even if you have an artist who has been making music for, let's say, like three years or something, 
it doesn't mean you always have to push like the newest releases. If you look at certain creations, like Yannick just suggested, um, and you have a song where the catchphrase fits perfectly with um, with the creations that are on trend right now, you can still like push an artist and um, you know get into the whole uh, marketing game from another point of view. And it doesn't have to be like all right now and um, new. Yeah, perfect examples for, for this would be um, a German band called No Angels, um, which has which was popular in probably like two thousand twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. two thousand four <laughs> or something. Um, they were one of the most popular girl girl bands, uh, girl groups, and um, yeah, maybe I can you can talk about it actually since you know. Yeah, it was like, a, you, you remember, like those girl casting bands we used to have, um, and they were huge, like 20 years ago, and they just um, came back because I think B&G purchased their catalog, and they realized that um, once their song got on streaming platforms, um, they were getting a lot more traction. So they decided to actually re-release um, their, I think it was like Best Of or their first album, um, and it instantly went viral in Germany. TikTok picked it up. Um, it got back, I think, on on the number one of the album charts. So yeah, there is a huge potential for a comeback. And um, as we found out, uh, TikTok does not play an instant significant role in this. Yeah. So just put your catalog on TikTok. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of ironic, right? Because TikTok is so much about this sort of like immediacy and like short attention spans. But at the same time for music, all these old tracks are blowing up. I mean, it, that's exactly right what you say. Also what we see over the Christmas period we covered, it's unbelievable how many old Christmas tracks are still coming to the TikTok charts. I mean, sometimes these tracks are 20 years old and I mean, most of the TikTok users are not even 20 years old right now. <laughs> um, so it's uh, super crazy to see that there are so many old tracks uh, still coming into TikTok. Totally. So I want to get each of your individual takes on this. Based on your research and what you've discovered, do you think TikTok's influence, um, especially as it pertains to music, and streaming, do you think TikTok's influence will continue to increase, um, plateau, or decrease in the near future? I think it's hard to say that, yeah, TikTok is going to be here for the next couple of 10 years. Um, but since, since Instagram has, has introduced Reels, I think the importance of short video content is uh, showing off on all kind of different platforms. Also, YouTube has these uh, short shots. Yeah, they call shots. But um, I think TikTok has a more uh, algorithmic, viral type of um, thing to, to go make a song go viral than it has on Instagram, but it's not quite sure that some kind of track which doesn't run on uh, uh, on Instagram 
is going viral on TikTok because it's just TikTok. So we don't know for what's happening in the next 20 years, also with the company of TikTok, since they got some criticism about like so many things. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like um, the, the impact will only increase um, and I even feel like as a lot of like older generations um, like on board on TikTok, um, especially catalog songs um, will, will even like will rise even more in importance as well. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, TikTok is, is trying to to um, get into a position where it uh, might be able to compete with YouTube um, as like um, also a, a, not only a short video platform but maybe even longer longer videos. Um, and in this, I, I think in this they they will be able to, to onboard a lot more um, um, older users as well. And, and also the impact of, of a TikTok um, hit um, on, on other platforms uh, will also increase as, as a result of that. I'm going to stick to the safest bet and say plateau. Um, just because I think it had a huge influence and now um, it's not going to particularly like influence the music market a lot more rather than other platforms maybe, um, which I think because talking of an like older audience, I could imagine that other platforms will pick up as YouTube and Instagram has, pick up what like TikTok reintroduced us to like mixing videos with sound and then making sounds hugely popular. But in terms of TikTok itself, I don't know. <laughs> I would completely go with Valerian. We just had a music conference here in Germany a few weeks ago um, called Treperbahn Festival, where TikTok was really present. And what they presented was really like the way how they want to go in the future. And what they presented is actually what, what Valerian said. They want to work closer and closer with labels, closer and closer with artists. Um, so I really guess the influence will begin the future because the connection will just be bigger. I mean, the past years, I think TikTok was something like artists have not been aware so much, but now um, also when I uh, did my internship at Universal Music, more and more artists had to work with TikTok. There was no way around, but maybe two years ago, nobody would have talked about. Um, so I would say, yeah, it's rising. So now the real question, now that the project is done, are you deleting TikTok off your phones or are you still using it? <laughs> Already deleted. Yeah, me too, actually. But only because I didn't have um, more, more space on my phone. I needed space. But we have to be fair. The algorithm on TikTok is really good. When you're one yeah. time into it, you are lost. So better delete it earlier than... <laughs> <laughs> So thanks so much for chatting with us today. Is there anything you'd like to plug or leave listeners with about yourselves or anything you're doing right now or in the future? I think we just want to say thank you again. It was a huge pleasure to work with you. We learned 
more than we ever expected before. Um, and yeah, we can just say Chatmetric, absolutely unbelievable what you're doing. Um, we still all use it privately or maybe also sometimes for a company, who knows? Um, <laughs> no, absolutely great what you're doing and yeah, thank you. Yeah, second that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Same here, thank you guys. Yeah, and look out for the article uh, on blog.chatmetric.com. Um, we'll leave, you know, maybe if you want some ways to, to reach out to Aki, Valerian, Sebastian, Yannick, um, if you want to connect with them um, for future conversations. In the meantime, thanks so, so much, y'all. Y'all have a great day. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. How Music Charts is written and produced by Jason Hoven and Rutger Rosenborg of Chartmetric. As part of our effort to equip artists with the power of music analytics, we've just rolled out a new artist tier, which you can sign up for at app.chartmetric.com slash plan slash artist for about the price of a coffee per week. Free Chartmetric accounts are available at chartmetric.com and podcast notes are at blog.chartmetric.com. You can also subscribe there for additional insights delivered to your inbox right after we publish. Did we mention we have a YouTube channel? That's right. Subscribe for Chartmetric tutorials and tips for indie artists. Follow our thoughts on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Chartmetric. That's Chartmetric, no S. That's it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.